Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show! Boys and girls, welcome to the Fizzle Show, where every week we talk about things that are important to Fizzle Show members and to entrepreneurs in general, entrepreneurs who are building things on the internet, entrepreneurs who feel like they need something more from life, something about some creative autonomy, some freedom. I have had a cup of coffee, that's why I'm able to do this. Most people don't have this ability to do this. I, on the other hand, do, which is one of the things that makes this show very, very unique. We talk extremely fast, so you have to, to, we're the only podcast that you actually have to slow down on your podcast player. (laughs) This is the Fizzle Show. Where every week we talk about things that are interesting and important to indie entrepreneurs. If you want to create your own life, live your best life now, hashtag Joel Osteen, hashtag live the life of your dreams, I don't know. Well, one of these days, you're going to have to come down to getting serious about how, how do you actually make it happen. Hi, welcome. Welcome. Have you been living off in La La Land, chasing butterflies and writing dream lists? You have a lot of mood boards, but don't know how to, how to get someone to pay attention to your freaking podcast? Welcome. Welcome. You're in the right place. This is where we talk about that kind of stuff. And, uh, and this week, like every week, we have an awesome, awesome conversation around what to do when you're pulled in too many directions. This is something that happens to every entrepreneur. You're pulled in too many directions. You can be focusing on this or that. Which one should I do? Right? We're going to get into all of this. You're going to walk away with a kind of an action plan on this one for sure. And and you're going to know more about this problem than then you're teaching yourself already. And that's where the real medicine comes from. But first, let me introduce who's on the phone with us today. Corbett Barr, say what's up. Hey, guys. What's up? Hey, tiger. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, champ. (laughs) Steph Crowder, how are you? Hello. Happy to be here. Now, one of the things that you need to know about Steph is that she is in the place, the land of the Kentucky Derby. Oh, and I'm totally in love with it now, guys. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, drinking the mint juleps. Uh, You're not going to be able to get me to leave the Bluegrass State now. I'm here. I love it. (laughs) Obsessed. Such a strong reaction. Such a strong reaction. All Steph needed to know was that folks around there know how to party. (laughs) That's true. And now we're good. (laughs) Oh, that's terrific. And and it was really rainy, uh, but you had fun anyway, Steph? Yeah, that's those are the cliff notes. Yep. And, uh, you know, now that I drive around and I see like little baby horses everywhere, I have more context. It's just beautiful. I'm really excited. Little baby horses. Oh, yeah. look. Oh, look. Like, I'm just imagining the animal rights activists just going like, oh, yeah, the little baby horse is going to grow up living a life of shame and impoverished <laughs> by their trainers who keep them, who keep food from them so that they'll get faster, Steph. Do you like this, Steph? Is I'm this pretty your favorite? Sure that, I'm pretty sure those horses live a life better than me, but that's neither <laughs> but here nor there. Yeah. I think you need to have a conversation with your mastermind group around around some negative thinking that's holding you back because right. I think you live pretty well, darn it. Doggone sure. it, people like me. Um, okay, guys, you ready to get in our conversation today? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, champ, <laughs> buckaroo. <laughs> Hold your horses there, Corbett. So the, the, the gist of the thing is this. Um, entrepreneurs are always pulled in multiple directions, right? I just think about the, the when we were creating Fizzle in the very beginning. And for people who don't know, Fizzle is also a, a community and a collection of courses that teach you through all the things you need to know in doing your own personal small business, whether it's a brand new thing or you haven't even launched it yet or you're just thinking about what, it's a, what it might be or if you're like, I need to grow, I need to get into the next stage, right? So it took a lot of work to build 
this thing and to, to start selling it and to start growing it and all this stuff. And we were, I was always pulled between two directions. One was the making new things, the new course, right? That we're like, we're going to make this new course on how to grow your email list to 10,000 subscribers and beyond, which is one course that we have in there, right? Or spending my time and money uh, or my time and attention rather on how do we get more people to the fizzle homepage and get them to click that video so that they get in- interested and actually take us up on a free trial right so marketing versus versus creating like the new product or 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 adding to your product so to mm-hmm. speak corbett what are other like way what, like what do you think of when you think of entrepreneurs being pulled in multiple directions yeah so that's a classic one right marketing versus like working on the product and we mm-hmm. all have those questions right and i think i think that's kind of the reason why people specialize in big companies eventually right we have a marketing department and we have the product people and they get to focus solely on one of those things because it's kind of crazy to try to focus on a bunch of things at once and as an entrepreneur we have to do all of that and you know we have to do all the finance and payroll and blah 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 there's like a million things you have to do as an entrepreneur and focusing on marketing and and product is definitely one of those examples of things that pull you apart but other mm. ones this came up for me uh recently because i've been working on two very distinct products at the same time mm. we've got fizzle and then i've mentioned a couple of times that we're working on this new saas community forum product at the same time and being pulled between those is intense, man. Like knowing which one you should be working on. So that's kind of where it came from for me. But then we were thinking like, this just affects every entrepreneur. Even if you are just getting your thing started, you're being pulled between, let's say your day job and the thing that you're trying to do on the side and knowing how much time and effort you should put into each one and how, how much you should care about each one of these. You know, it's, it's like, you can imagine if you feel really confident that your side project is going to take off, then maybe you start really paying attention to that and neglecting your day job a little bit. But mm. what if you do that too soon and, and you neglect your day job so much that, you know, you're, you're in trouble, you're on probation or something, you know? Yeah. And, um, and we, we just feel like we have these, these gardens growing multiple gardens and we got to know which one to, to water and feed. And that's a really hard thing to know. Yeah. And I think that, that, that metaphor is interesting. The idea of like, you have these multiple gardens and you only have so much water, right? That's really what it feels like. It feels like, like, and and it's honestly, it's exactly what it is like. You guys, the water is your time and your attention. That's the thing that we have in the shortest supply. I mean, Seth Godin's always talking about this when he's talking to marketers, trying to get them to understand that they're working with the most valuable resource that anybody has. It's their attention. Right. And so, you know, that if you're not, if you have two gardens and I, for some reason, I can't remember that song. Like, like, how does your garden grow stuff? Do you know what's the like song? The nursery rhyme? Yeah. What's the old nursery song? I bet there's some wisdom oh, in it. Well, how does it go? Does anybody remember <laughs> right now? There's some mom like Is in it there. Mary, Mary, quite contrary. Yes. 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 How does Such your garden mom. grow? How mm. does it grow? Mary? But think about that. You're, what, why is she so contrary? Like, Who like knows? she's a real contrarian. Real. Like. <laughs> What's up with like that's what that's what the song's about. She's like she's so contrarian. How does her garden even grow? <laughs> I think that's fascinating. But the point being, I, back to the garden and the time and the attention is if you have two gardens and you don't have like and you don't have enough water to feed them both, 
are they both going to suffer? Um, are they both going, are you going to focus on one instead of the other? Are you going to be in a place, you know, years from now where you regret the decision that you made right now? So we're talking about like, there's all of these different, like every entrepreneur out there right now listening knows what we're talking about, being pulled in multiple directions, not knowing if I should focus on growing the thing I have currently or building the new part of this thing or focusing on like I have two businesses, one is in this direction, one's in that direction. Which one should I focus on more right now? Or like, how do I, how, like, how do I do this right now? Steph, like, have you, I don't know, have you had a time in your life where you were, you felt pulled between multiple oh directions? I don't think I've had a time where I didn't feel like that. <laughs> Maybe that's how it is for most people out there, especially yeah. creative people. There's always like, feels like we have our hands in, in multiple places. And um, it's funny that you sort of inadvertently brought up mom, a reference to mom stuff, because yeah. I think for our parents out there, this is especially, there's like a whole other layer of this. And to borrow the garden analogy a little bit further, what this whole conversation makes me think of is how easy it is. If you have those two gardens, you've got the limited amount of water. Sometimes it's really, really easy to focus on all the things that are dying in the garden or the way that your, uh, I don't know, roses are drooping a little bit too much. Like it's very easy to focus on all the ways you're failing as a mm. gardener yeah. instead of noticing that, you know, okay, the, the roses are struggling over here, but those sunflowers are actually looking pretty good over there. That doesn't tend to be what we focus on. And oftentimes it's yeah. very easy to feel like you've got two or three gardens and all of them, all you can focus on is that they are not thriving. And yeah. that is a really terrible feeling. Cause, and I know for me, sometimes it's brought up feelings of like, what am I, what am I even doing all of this for? Especially if you're out there trying to raise small children and maybe part of your why, like I've talked about many times here on the show, part of my why is getting to spend more time with my family. And there's definitely seasons for me where that has not been the case, where I'm like, actually, I'm doing the math wondering if I'd have more time with my family if I were in a traditional day job. Yeah. So it can be really frustrating. Um, but yes, I have definitely experienced that. I'm experiencing it now. And um, it's it, the biggest thing for me that I'm sure a lot of people can relate to is not focusing so much on all of the things that are going wrong. Because for mm. many of us, I think that's our default, default setting is to beat ourselves up for not all the successes we're having in each garden, but all the things that are not going perfectly. Okay, so you bring up, you have, this is like, this is great, because this is the next point, right? So the, the truth is, you just need to accept this about being an entrepreneur. You're going to be pulled in multiple directions. In some ways, that's not just being an entrepreneur, that's, that's being a human, right? That's, that's like, that's what it's like to be alive. And, and just because there's that, like, that's a, that, yeah, there's a struggle there, but <laughs> that's just what it's like. Like, every animal probably feels something like that, and they don't let it get to them, <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, shoot, the lion got me this time. Bummer, bummer. Like, I, I had a good one. I had a good. I don't know why I'm thinking about like the worst possible thing. I always think about being being a lion on the plains and just being like, dude, I'm starting to get a little bit hungry, but I don't want to get up yet. Have you ever seen footage of of a like freaking wildebeests like walking like right in front of a lion that's like hanging out in the shade? Yeah, yes. like he's just saying, he's like, <laughs> like, all right, hey. Maybe I'll catch up with you guys later <laughs> or something like that. You know, um, he does, he just sits there. He just does what he feels like doing. You know, he's like, I, he's not worried. He's not like, I'm going to be so hungry in the future. I should probably eat more now or something like that. This is something that our, you know, our Native American ancestors got so well, but I'm not going to go out on that tangent right now because I actually don't know what I'm talking about also. Um, <laughs> so 
you bring up this great point though, Steph, where it's what happens when we feel like we've been pulled in too, when that pulling in too many directions starts to go sour, right? Mm-hmm. It's this thing that's natural. Everybody deals with, with, you know, being pulled in multiple directions, but there's a moment, there's, there's times at which it goes sour and it can start to almost infect other things. It, it's like an infection that grows. And Corbett, I'm curious from your point of view, like, like what's at stake? Like, so what? You're pulled in so many directions. Yeah. Welcome. Get in the, get in line. Like, welcome to the club. Right. Deal with it. Well, That's what we do. Like, well, well, there's actually a danger here, isn't there? I think there's a bunch of dangers. I mean, the, the thing for me is just, first of all, the feeling is horrible. That yeah. feeling that, you know, okay, I need to work on this thing, but you constantly are like, well, but I need to be spending time on that other thing too. Mm. And you almost you have a hard time, like really getting in the flow on either project or, you know, if there are several of them, because you're constantly worried about having to switch back over to work on this other thing or, or neglecting this other mm. thing. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's really easy during strategy time, planning time to think about an ideal future where all of these things that you want to happen are realized and it's really easy at the same time to overlook what it's going to feel like to get there. And, you know, there's this, there's this concept of, um, switching costs, right? If you, Mm. the more projects you have, the less time you have to work on projects in total, because when you switch from one project to another, you burn a bunch of energy, just remembering what you were working on and getting back into that state of flow. We all know how precious, that state of flow is and how infrequently we get to it. Even if you only have one thing to focus on, you toss, you know, two, three, four different things to focus on. And, um, you just end up spending so much time there. You have a lot less time to be able to focus on your project. So, you know, I'm not going to say that you should never work on two projects because, or multiple projects, because we, we all either have to do it out of necessity. Again, you know, you, maybe have a day job and you want to work on a side project, or maybe you are doing client work right now, but you really want to be selling products eventually, right? Those are situations where you have to pay the bills with one and you have to take on another one because you believe there's a brighter future in it. So Mm. you can't avoid it in a lot of cases. And in some cases, maybe you just really want to work on both things. I mean, there are, you see successful, you know, huge entrepreneurs working on multiple products at once all the time, like, like Elon Musk, you know, having SpaceX and and Tesla or, um, you know, there's Richard Branson has like a million businesses, right? People like that tend to do it. So it, it's, it's something that we have to learn how to cope with, maybe not necessarily avoid. Personally, I try to avoid it as much as possible, but, but then you just find yourself in situations where you're going to have to focus on two projects. So the question is, What's what's at stake when you're working on multiple projects and feeling like you are being pulled in too many directions? And for me, the first thing that's at stake is just my emotional health, right? Mm, my sanity yeah. and trying to get out the other side of each day or each week feeling like I actually accomplished something instead of just feeling like there's never there's like an endless amount of things to do and I'm never going to get there. And you just always feel like a failure. Mm, yeah. And I, I think like, well, first of all, let's just dive in there. Let's keep going in there. Let's, let's push on that little soft spot, that sore spot, you know, a little bit because 
that is for myself and I think for a lot of us who are pursuing entrepreneurship these days, that is a big deal. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because entrepreneurship in the last, what? I mean, almost like it's like five years, really, but maybe let's just be generous and say the last 10 years has become more and more and more of a popular thing to try to become. Wouldn't you say, Corbett? I don't know. I mean, I, sometimes I see the like actual numbers, you know, from the whatever department of commerce or something from surveys and they, they seem like they're flat or something. But as far as this, this lifestyle entrepreneurship or creative entrepreneurship or indie entrepreneurship, whatever you want to call it, it feels like it's thriving right now. It feels like it's having a moment. Yeah. I was just watching a a commercial from a, a potential sponsor for the fizzle show and it was just an ad they created for their product where they interviewed one of their customers and this customer was living on a boat and just talking about how great it is to be able to run her business from her laptop while living on a boat. And Mm -hmm. You know, that's the kind of thing that definitely didn't exist five, ten years ago, and it feels like it's having a moment and it's growing right now. It totally is. It's a it's almost a status thing. Now, freedom is the new sort of status. It's not like what car you drive. It's like mm-hmm. it's living a lifestyle where you don't own a car. Really? Yeah. How do you do that? It's like, oh, well, sometimes we use Uber and Lyft. But for the most part, we're literally growing our food. It's like that's the coolest person at the cocktail party. You know? yeah. But they're not there because they don't shave their armpits and they stink and they don't want to come out. You know, they, have, like, they, have, they have better garden parties at their house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's basically what, what happens. These people are, are, are this is like status-wise. It, and I'm just talking from my own, my own feeling, looking at who I want to become, right? Who I think is, is quote, cool or, or the lifestyle that I think a human like is sort of made for in this way. And it looks more like that. It looks like running a damn business from your laptop on a boat. Because you just you like be on, being on a boat or something like that. Or you've got severe issues uh, with, with relationships and you're afraid of committing to people. And that's a different thing. You, know? um, you, can, find, you can find the, op, the, the shadow in everything, Corbett. But I like that you bring up this point of the emotional pain that can come from feeling pulled in too many different directions. Now, Steph, you mentioned this briefly, where it's almost like you get, you're pulled in too many directions, right? And then you start to just like find yourself focusing only on the fact that nothing is thriving, right? Mm-hmm. Even though like there might be like this flower over here or that plant over there is actually doing really good, you're blind to it. And so explain, like, like describe for us like what that's like for you. Like how does that affect the way you bring yourself to the work that you're, that you, that you have to do? Yeah. You know, I see this as like the underbelly of ambition or something like that. What is it that they say that any strength that's like used too much actually becomes a weakness? That's true Mm. of anything. And it's true of ambition as well. I think in our society, we regard ambition as a positive thing, but blind ambition or too much ambition over ambition can definitely leave you with feelings of number one, picking everything apart that you're doing, which is what I mentioned. But then The other part of this that I think is absolutely huge, it's something that I've struggled with and I feel like a lot of people could probably resonate, when you're living this hashtag laptop on a boat life, um, there is no one there to tell you when it's okay to stop or what time is closing time. And, you know, like I know when I was in my former corporate days, like at five o'clock, you know, it's time to go home. People started to wind it down. There's really no barometer for that in this world. And that's exciting in so many ways when you're just getting started. And I mean, 
always, I think, but it's also a, a recipe for disaster if you don't find a way to be in touch with contentment, I think, and enoughness. Because when it's possible to make infinity dollars as an entrepreneur, which is it is possible, I mean, not infinity, but it certainly feels that way. It feels like you know, you're in a situation where the more hours you put in, the more results you get. You can find yourself feeling like the work you do, it's never, it never stops. It never shuts down. You never have enough money in the bank, all of that stuff. So that's the other side of this as well. For me, I think has been when I feel really pulled in a lot of different directions. Um, if I'm not too careful and, and, and assessing what feels good for me in terms of like why I'm in this and what is healthy for me and why I got started and what I want my life to look like. Some of the goal setting things that we talk about, I would just keep working on that garden around the clock at three o'clock in the morning, you're out there tending to your garden. And um, that's not why most of us got started. And Mm. I know for me, that's not aligned with where I want to go. So I find that it's the overexertion sometimes of that ambition that I personally have to manage because I think if you're feeling pulled in too many different directions, it often has to do with too much ambition or blind ambition, maybe unaligned ambition. So getting in touch with why you're even pushing so hard can be, for me, like it's, it's, mm. it's a great way to check myself, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Because it sounds like, you know, it's this idea of like you're focusing on what's not thriving, right? Which ends up like, you, you which kind of can build to a point where sort of unbeknownst to you, you're sort of like resenting the things that you're doing, like the work that you're doing, right? And, and, and you're like, it's never good enough. It leads to this feeling of it's just, you're not good enough. There's this not good enough, not enoughness or something, which makes you go like, I have to work harder to become good enough, right? Mm-hmm. Or to be, to make this thing thrive, right? And all that leads to is trying harder from a, pers- a perspective of almost resentment, not creativity, not flow, not like sort of like love and joy and anything that like, <laughs> like the things that you want to be growing in yourself, right? And so it's almost like that, that exertion it, like begets more exertion. Yes. Do you know what and- I mean? Totally. And you know what this reminds me of? I actually didn't even think about how relevant this was until this exact moment, but I know you're a fan of Rob Bell, uh, Chase. Oh, yeah. The Robcast. I I love that podcast. It's probably my favorite podcast right now. And there's one particular episode that I think people should listen to if they're interested in this idea of like relying on too much ambition. Actually, I have found out about this particular episode from Evan in our community. Um, she'll, she'll know what I'm talking about. It's an episode called What to Do with Your Ambition. Mm. Oh my God, it's so good. Is it and really? basically what you just sounded like so Rob good. Bell when you said that. <laughs> I'm probably listening to him too much. I know. I, I really do love the guy. And one of the things he says in that episode is if you look at your calendar and you have a feeling more feelings of dread than excitement. That's a sign that your ambition has basically grabbed the steering wheel and is in charge. And he, this great phenomenal episode, he talks about how ambition kind of like how Elizabeth Gilbert talks about fear. Fear Mm. is like a passenger you want in the car. You want ambition, ambition in that car too, but you do not want ambition driving the car. Mm. And that's one of the ways that you can tell if ambition has taken over is if you feel like you're looking at what's coming up on your calendar, your projects, and you're more filled with dread and anxiety than you are excitement. Mm. There's, probably that that's ambition just running roughshod over your life mm. it's a really good episode for people who feel like they've dealt with this um i highly highly recommend it oh i love that i need to be listening to rob's podcast more oh, because you do. He's it's, awesome. al- it's almost like
like that's the thing that's like that's church you know like for us non-religious folks it's like yeah it's like church and uh because it just kind of is grounding it's centering it's sort of like it gets us into these sort of issues in sort of a solely sort of way all right so listen i want to try to i want to try to move on us to the next part where we're actually going to talk about some some tips. So I'm like, okay, here's how you can thrive, not just survive, not just cope, but you've got to thrive because that's what you get to do as an entrepreneur, right? You get to go to infinity, um, inside of yourself, but maybe even, maybe even like with money stuff, maybe that even, but yeah. that's not even the point. It's your freedom. That's what we're in this for is to be able to create a sustainably free way of living with ourselves, with our families, yada, 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 right? So, so the point point here that we've covered so far is like, listen, entrepreneurs often feel pulled in multiple directions. Scratch that. Entrepreneurs always feel pulled in multiple directions. And if you allow that to get too intense at being pulled in too many directions, it can make you lose your center. It can lose your focus. It can make you turn sort of sour in your, and you're like trying, trying to tend to your garden and there's, it's never enough. And it can lead to burnout. It can lead to overexertion. It can lead to not getting the results that you want. Okay. That's why we're talking about this because you have got to get those results before Wait, what? Brain fart? What? You Before have you got to get to the to the results in order to keep doing what you're wanting to do in your life. Okay, that's what you you've got to get to the results. You don't need to be you know massive results, right? You know you don't need to be you don't need to become like the biggest and the best. Like that's your, that's something in you that will have to be shifting if you think that that's where you need to get as well. But you need to get to enough. Right. So that you can sustainably keep going and yada, yada, yada. And that journey can be fun, can be enlightening. That journey can be a, a thrill and an adventure and an exhilarating instead of dreadful, wretched, a slog, constant exhaustion. Right. And so if you resonate more with that second list of ad- adjectives, then you need to be listening to our next part because it's time for us to talk about how do we overcome this? How do we, how do we, in the context of this reality that you're going to be pulled in multiple directions, how do we actually thrive? But first, before we get there, let's read this sponsor uh, message from Gusto. Gusto, which is Corbett. What does Gusto do? Mm. Gusto is payroll. Uh, Gusto, sorry, Gusto. I keep saying yeah, it's Gusto. Okay. It's okay. We've been, we were both in Mexico for quite a few months and uh, down <laughs> there, it's Gusto. It's Gusto. So <laughs> That's right. It's understandable. But Gusto from uh, Gusto.com is payroll, HR, benefits, compliance, accounting, time tracking, all of this stuff all in one place. And it makes it really easy for you as a business owner to make sure that you are dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's, paying everybody and staying in compliance with workers' comp insurance, the new hire forms for your states. Uh, and if you need someone to talk to about HR, you can do that as well. And also, if you want to offer either yourself or your employees some benefits like health insurance or 401k or an HSA or commuter benefits or a 529 college savings plan, they have all of these things integrated directly with payroll and they make it super easy mm. to uh, try Gusto for free 
for three full months, isn't it, Chase? Yeah, you get three months for free when you uh, when you run your first payroll. That's right. You can head over to gusto.com slash fizzle and join the over 60,000 other businesses that use Gusto. Yeah, and this is a cool little factoid here. 72% of Gusto customers spend less than five minutes running their payroll, right? This is exactly the kind of thing that an entrepreneur feels like pulled in too many directions about. It's like one of those admin tasks, one of those little things. And, And short of like actually hiring someone or a contractor or something like that, many of us rely on tools like this. And Gusto is one of those that can just make these kinds of things a breeze without having to bring on a whole other person, another staff member onto your team and pay their payroll and stuff like that. Instead, you just have a button to click and some things to do. It's cool. So check out Gusto at gusto.com slash fizzle. Our thanks to Gusto for supporting the Fizzle Show and indie entrepreneurship in general. Okay, guys. So... We've talked about uh, we've talked about the things. I don't need to review and refresh. You know that you're pulled in lots of different directions. It can get bad. So how do we get? How do we? How do we stay? Um, how do we stay aligned? That's why. That's honestly, I have to admit that that's my sort of metaphor in this. Is it's not something you like fix and then it never gets broken again. Wouldn't you say, Corbett? This is a thing that you kind of have to like, kind of be tending to and staying aligned with again and again. Yeah, and and this is you know to get a little meta on this. Uh, this is the same challenge that you have in your own life, trying to balance your health with your relationships, with your career. You know, yeah. we all tend to get pulled in different directions in life and in business. And the challenge of, of staying balanced and staying aware of what's important and how those different pieces fit and uh, interact with one another is a ch- an ongoing challenge that I think we all have to deal with all the time. So the tips that um, we're going to talk about here, I think, apply to your life as well. Yeah. Okay. So the first one is this idea of, first of all, okay, right. You're pull- you feel pulled in multiple directions. You feel pulled in too many directions. Okay. The first step is focusing and culling down which directions you allow yourself to be pulled in. Steph, talk to us about this one for a bit. Yeah, I think the longer you're in this game, whether it's, you know, a traditional career or you're in your building your own business, things just kind of end up on your plate. It's like the weirdest thing. I don't know. It's just out of like a force of habit. Maybe you just find yourself doing things that you've always done for the sake of doing them. Um, it's really easy. Personally, if I'll speak for myself, you can end up rolling along like the weeks tick by so fast that you don't actually challenge what's on your calendar or what you're doing on a weekly basis. So part of this, when we were talking about culling things down, I think it's really useful to take a step back, maybe on a quarterly basis, if that's when you do your planning or however often you're sitting down to really think big picture and make sure that when you're look, like doing your big blue sky thinking, you're actually also including any of the work that you find yourself doing on a regular basis because it needs to be challenged. Um, things change. Even things that used to be working, maybe they don't work anymore. Maybe they still work, but they're not lighting you up and they're not serving you. Um, it can be, I personally find it really hard because, you know, I often have feelings of not wanting to let people down or, 
I don't know. It's just, it's difficult. I find this particular part of things really hard to know when that point is where something that you've always done just isn't serving you anymore for any reason. But I think you have to have the guts to own that and to allow yourself to ask the question, you know, okay, I've always done this thing over here because X, Y, Z reason, but what would happen if I wasn't doing that? Could I be working on something else that's more valuable? And if the answer is yes, that's really important information. Um, maybe the answer is no. Maybe it's like, no, this is business critical. It needs to be there. But I think this this first tip is kind of all about uh, being brave enough to ask the question and kind of being ruthless about what you allow onto your calendar. I think calendars mm. and email inboxes can become very um, reactive places. People put things on your calendar, especially if you're in service-based businesses or organizations. And it's easy to just accept what's on your calendar. Like you sit down on a Monday, you're like, oh, I have 10 meetings this week. And you just accept that as truth. Whereas it's actually possible to be more proactive and evaluate each one of these and ask yourself, is this worth my time? Can I offload this? Can I stop doing this? Can I delegate it, et cetera? Mm, Yeah, I love this. So this this concept, Corbett, in your perspective, like it's to me, it's hard to look at what's on my plate first and foremost. It's almost like just making a list, and we've done this before. Where do we do this? Is this in the goals course stuff um, where we just make a list of like everything that we ha- That's everything we want to do, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's this other thing where we might have in one of our courses or something where you make a list. Uh, What's that, Corbin? Well, we did this um, just as a company. We were yeah. we were curious for each of us what we were committed to on a weekly basis and what time we had actually reserved or left over to spend on projects. And so each of us listed the things that we have ongoing on a recurring basis. And mm-hmm. it adds up to a lot. You know, it added up to um, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 hours, depending on who and and which week we were talking about. And it's really easy just to kind of get um, fully reactive or to get complacent about the things that you have going on on a weekly basis and just kind of to accept them as if, well, because I do this, I have to keep doing it forever. Right. Yeah. And, and not to take a step back and think like an owner and um, really ask yourself, is that thing essential could it be outsourced? Could it be killed entirely? Or could it be made more efficient somehow? You know, and um, I think this is, you know, something that we all should be doing at least maybe every six months or every three months, something like that, if, if not more frequently, just to really evaluate and make sure that things that are going on your calendar on a recurring basis are essential. And then, like Steph said, you know, every week to make sure that the things that are going on your calendar or your to do list that aren't recurring, make sure that those are also essential and that you're doing them in the most efficient way possible. Yeah. I like this concept of, of ownership. Like tell, talk for a second Corbett about like, what's the difference between like, like, I don't know. I, I just, this concept of ownership has come up again and again and again in my own sort of small business journey when I get into, and maybe we should just talk about this default mode thing right now and stuff. So why don't we, why don't we switch over to you, Steph? Like talk about this default mode that you brought up in the pre-call thing. Um, this, this kind of thing that we tend to get into where it's like, you have to do it. You have yeah. to do this. What, what's this about? I can think of so many examples of this and some of them are more obvious and others are, 
they surprise me even now. So some more obvious examples would be like what I mentioned, where someone puts time on your calendar for whatever reason. It could be anything. It could be, oh, let's go get a coffee. I mean, how often do you get emails from people that are like, oh, can I pick your brain? Can we jump on Skype? Can we do this or that collaboration? You kind of say yes, because I don't know if you're like me, you just are kind of social and you like talking to people. So you end up saying yes. And then when you look at your calendar, it's got like a dozen meetings on it for the next week. And you're like, oh my God, when am I supposed to sit down and actually grow my business? So that can actually happen on accident. It's like a little bit of a snowball effect. So I think sometimes the default mode is people asking your, you know, asking for your time and us not defending our time, which is a hard and scary thing to do. But then there's also self-imposed default stuff. An example of this that I talked about kind of recently over on the Courage and Clarity podcast are like deadlines that we put in place for ourselves. For example, I got myself when I was moving. So this was back in fall of last year. And you guys remember, it was like a really big time in my life. It was crazy handling all the stuff I had to handle. We were selling property, buying property, moving 300 miles across the country. We had a one and a half year old. It was bananas running businesses. It was crazy. And through all of that, I had it in my, so ingrained in my brain, like I have to publish my podcast on Mondays. Like I have to, absolutely have to, almost like on a life or death level. And I remember this one week, I think I had done like 50 episodes in a row. I had taken no break on producing this podcast. And then one week I was like, you know what? I was in the middle of this. I was like, I'm just not going to publish this week. And I'm does not. And I was really freaked out about it. And then I took a step back and I was like, who is even making me like who said I have to do this every single week? Now we are all about consistency around here. And let me tell you, consistency goes a really long way, especially in podcasting or content creation. But when I did that uh, and I talked about it with my community, people were like, hey, that makes sense. Like, we'll see you next week. And actually, if you need another week, we'll just see you the week after that. And that was such a refreshing moment for me because I had really put this like self-imposed pressure on myself. And I think that's a really good example of the default. So I think in most weeks for me, it makes a lot of sense for me to prioritize getting my podcast out there. But in this particular week that I had, um, just surviving a move, which hopefully is going to be my last move of the next decade at least, uh, was that was priority. So challenging, I think is a, this is a good example of challenging things that are the default deadlines, the default uh, things that you've promised yourself or promised other people, and recognizing that sometimes there's going to be moments where it, you don't have to beat yourself up if a different decision makes sense in that moment. Yeah, that's fascinating. I like, I mean, it's just, and it always happens. It always like kind of builds up and, and then you don't even, I think what's, what's challenging for me oftentimes is just to see the tasks and the elements that I get that way about. Right. That like to the podcast, this, that, and the other. I mean, there's been times where like editing a podcast or being a part of a podcast, like on a regular, regular, regular basis has just like been like the one thing in in the week that I just didn't, I could not see past. And so I could, I never had sort of like, like, uh, I don't know, like visionary capabilities, which is what I love, what I get off on, so to speak. Right. Like I love to be thinking like, what if this, what if that, what if this and coming up with big ideas because I can do it. That would be fun to do, but because I was so slogged down, I felt so slogged down in this particular kind of work, which was it really only took up a handful of hours every week, right? But it was like an anchor that sort of, that can, that these, th- these tasks can feel like an anchor somehow. They just slow us down like a sail that we're dragging behind us as we're trying to get as much, as much speed going as possible. It's going the, it's like pulling against us. Um, 
instead of being a sail that like catches the wind and we get to roll with it, you know? Um, so challenging these defaults, getting this in default mode. One of the things that Corbett, you talked about when we were chatting about this was being proactive versus reactive. Explain what you mean about that. Well, it's just, it, it's, it's getting out of this mode that we've been talking about. I think the, the default mode is reactive mode. And the reason is it takes a lot of brain energy, creativity to be proactive. It takes, you know, just, um, it takes work, brain work. And so most of us, our brains kind of default to getting comfortable with our situation and then just repeating what we've been doing. This is true of our lives. It's true of uh, where we vacation. It's true of a lot of things. It, the first time we do something, it can be really uncomfortable and there's a lot of uncertainty and so on. So within our businesses, the first time that we come up with a strategy and then start working on implementing something, it's uncomfortable and it takes a lot of new thinking. And so we naturally avoid that new thinking and just default to these patterns of, well, this is on my calendar, so this is what I do. And it's great because it's easy because I already know how to do it. And that's yeah. reactive mode. Yeah. So we have to force ourselves to get uncomfortable and get back into proactive mode frequently so that we are adding new, more important things to our list to do and making sure that, again, we are culling those things that have become unimportant or maybe are just um, overshadowed by other things that we really should be working on. Okay. I love that you just said that. Okay. We have to force ourselves to get out of this default mode. Okay. Now I think we've already talked about one of the ways, like the practical, practical tips for doing this. And that is just simply making a list of all the things that you have to do. Right. Is that what you would say, Corbett? Mm hmm. Yeah, that's a what, good way to start. What else? Like, like so. So, if you were gonna, if you had to, like, put together a quick little PDF guide on how to do this, to for me, it would start with that. Let's workshop this a little bit for a second. Um, this is how we do things, guys. By the way, listening out there, this is like we we like spitball things and come up with it. This is where courses come from and stuff like that. So, so the idea is, first of all, you have to know what you're currently doing, what your default mode is, and, and the way we do that is we take an inventory of all of the tasks and activities we do on a regular basis, right? Whether that's every day or every week or every month or every quarter or whatever, right? What are the things you know you have to do all the time? And this is basically on paper, this is sort of default mode. What Corbett's talking about is so true. When you have something that you've, that you're just doing because you've always done it, right? That's where the, 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 that's where there's might be a stone under there you can, that you can turn over and find a new way of doing something. That's where you can get into proactive mode instead of reactive mode, potentially. So say you've got this list of all these things, Corbett, how do you then, like, what, how do you evaluate that list? Like, what do you, what do you look for in there? Well, and it's not just about evaluating that list. It's about considering all of the possibilities of things that you could be or should be working on. And so, Coming up with a list of things that you're already doing is just one part of that. And then, and then looking at each of those things and asking yourself, do these really matter? And what would happen if I didn't do these things? Or what would happen if I, you know, uh, did this in a more efficient way, spent half the amount of time on it, outsourced it, all those things like we talked about. But the other bigger, more important thing, I think, would be in, in terms of being proactive would be to ask yourself really, what are your intentions? What are your goals? What do you want to happen? 
And what are the things that need to happen to get you closer to those goals? What are the most important things? And a lot of times, unfortunately, I think that there are things as entrepreneurs that we avoid because they're uncomfortable, because we can much easier just get into our groove and feel like, well, you know, I put out the podcast this week, so I'm doing what's what really matters. But maybe what really matters is sending those emails that you've been avoiding to uh, influencers and asking them to come on as a guest on your podcast or something like that. And we all have these lists of things that we know we should probably be doing and we know that they're probably high impact, but for some reason we kind of shove down and um, learn how to avoid. And I think those are the things that we really need to be looking at if we want to be truly proactive. Yeah. I love it. Okay, awesome. So we need to focus and cull down the directions that we allow ourselves to be pulled in. Okay, this is first and foremost. This is like any self-help guru, anybody in your life. Like if you want to change your freaking life, simplify. Okay, simplify. Don't allow yourself to be just pulled in directions willy-nilly. Look at the directions you're being pulled in, all right, and decide for yourself if they're the ways you want to be pulled or not, because there are things in your life that will pull you, that have to pull you. That's what you're sort of like, you just have a contract with those things, almost spiritually or something, and they're going to keep pulling on you. And the ability that you have to simplify your life until you make just those essential contracts in play, and that that's what you're doing in your life, that's where you will find this vein of, of results, of success, of energy to be working on the things where the universe starts making space for you potentially. But regardless of any of that, it's just a, a way, a place where it's more, you find the joy in the work. And if you can find the joy in the work, you can literally, you're literally unstoppable, right? And if you can find a way to make the ongoing necessity of the work you're doing to feel good to you, like to not be a drag to feel like have you ever had a great workout like the way you feel after a great workout like that's the way work can feel too if you don't feel overly pulled in way too many directions like you don't have a say in if you in in how your life can be going or something so taking back that ownership and having the say being the sort of director of the play that is your life looks like understanding the directions you're pulled in, making a list of all those things that you're doing just because you feel like you have to do, so to speak, right? And then figuring out what are the things you wish you could be doing instead or something. I don't know what's next, honestly, because we have on the next next point here is giving yourself permission to keep it simple. Now, this is like a tag on what we've already talked about. So, Steph, like land land that point. What is it? What like why do people need permission to keep it simple? I think that our businesses, just like maybe many other things in life, our closets, I mean, <laughs> there's a reason that there's garage sales and spring cleaning and all that stuff. 
Uh, our businesses get cluttered and complicated and heavy. And this is just something that happens. If it's happened to you, you didn't mess it up. It's just natural. It's kind of what we've been talking about, whether it's your calendar, your commitments, your you get turned around and the own your own noise of creating a couple like half-finished projects. And sometimes just like a good old-fashioned garage sale, I think you have to give yourself permission to clean it out. And I have been amazed at how how much of a lightning I can see in other people when they're given that permission, whether it's by a coach or a peer or community. Um, if you are feeling like things are just overcomplicated, I think things being feeling like you're being pulled in too many different directions could very well be a sign that you've overcomplicated it in some form or fashion. So giving yourself that permission to keep it simple and even asking the question, if this were simple, if this were even easy, what would that be like? What would I be doing if I were keeping it simple? I think it's Danielle Laporte who says, let it be easy. And I love that. Sometimes I'll ask myself that when I feel turned around or bogged down, I'll ask myself, or like resistance in, in business. It's like, what what would it be like if I let this be easy? And I don't mean easy as in there's not work to do because there's always work to do. But I think we've talked a lot here on the show about energetically easy. That's a different thing where it just kind of flows like Corbett said. So asking yourself the question, what would this look like if I allowed it to be easy can be a really great way to start to do that that purge, that business purge of your calendar, of your commitments, and just of the, your general feeling of being pulled in too many directions. And you deserve it, right? Like I think that's totally. the thing is we don't think that like, I mean, other people maybe they can get it, but look at him. He's six yeah. six four. He's got like wide broad shoulders you know what i mean like he's got perfect teeth like this he comes from a rich family like of course he should let it be easy but for me i've had to fight for yeah exactly and you know we're having this it's funny we just were talking about this last week on fizzle friday so if you're a newer listener we do these awesome free coaching sessions inside of fizzle every single every single week and it's so much fun because like 25 people will jump on and share where they're at and we had this whole conversation about how most of us i know for myself i was raised by amazing people who i look up to but and my father in particular is a really hard working person and prides himself on that so growing up i was always told you know money's hard to come by or hard work is how you make things happen so sometimes this message of ease can be in direct conflict with what's the most deeply ingrained in every single one of us. So it can be a really hard thing to ask the question like, huh, what if actually hard work, like it being difficult, isn't necessarily the measure of success because it actually isn't. There's plenty of people out there who are not working all of that hard and are super successful. It's just the work that they are doing is incredibly dialed in. So when you can allow yourself to explore that idea that actually it can be easy, it's more about alignment. Oh man, that's really interesting. There's some, there's some juicy stuff there. So if you, if you're like me and you, you've always felt like you pride yourself on hard work and maybe there's even a little bit of starving artist or struggling artist in you, I, I, I invite people to explore this idea of ease because it's really fun when you allow yourself to, to play with it a little bit. It is. It's like a, it's like a boulder can be just like a weight can be lifted just from how yep. you look at your, how you look at your work. And, and I think that, that it's instructive because the what can happen then is you're you what you want really what you really want is you want to know what to work on right you want to have focus and clarity uh, around what your intention is here what do you want to be working on because when you have a sense of an inner motivation compass about what to be working on 
oftentimes that can align itself with the best advice that you have from your gurus out there, whether it's the Fizzle Show or other places where they're like, you need to be growing your email list. All right. What does it take? Like, what does an email like list need? What is, what does it take to grow an email list? Right. So then you're watching Corbett's grow your email list to 10,000 subscribers and beyond. And it's just chock full of advice of, of, of steps, of checklists, of things to do. Well, now that you are clarified within yourself about what you want to be doing, about what this means to you, because you're kind of allowing yourself to feel that feeling of lightness, of freedom, of, of like, yeah, I actually want this. I want this thing. That's when you might find that there's a lot of motivation to just do the thing that the, that the, that the trainers are telling you to do. Or you might all find this other thing where it's like, yeah, the teacher says that, which I can understand why, but I want to take it this way and I feel comfortable with doing my own, uh, my, my, with like kind of flowing creatively on this thing, right? So you, you, you get into this new space of ownership. Again, there's that word. Why are you allowing yourself to be pulled in more directions than you feel comfortable with? This is your decision to make. And this is your, uh, your, this is, frankly, this is your life. It is your business, right? This is yours to own. And so much of what I've seen in entrepreneurs as they're getting started is it takes several years just to get to the point where they finally start taking ownership in that sort of indescribably different way where there's just a different quality to it. And I can't put my finger on it, but I just call it ownership, right? So giving yourself permission to keep it simple, to allow it to, to feel easy, uh, making a, telling the difference between your reactive and your proactive mode and getting, making space to get into that proactive mode, right? We, we in Fizzle talk about the difference between the worker bee and the CEO mindset. The CEO needs to show up and say, what are we doing? How are the numbers? What's next? And the CEO has to have a, like, has to have energy to do that. And then it makes a list of like, here's the things I want you to do this week. And then this, the worker bee takes that over and goes like, all right, boss, I'll take care of this for you. Don't worry about it. You go put your feet up and get ready to get the next vision cast for us because I'm trusting you with my life. Right. There's this other thing, though, that happens. And we mentioned this when we talked about exertion seems to just beget exertion if it doesn't like have a real master. Right. If we make exertion sort of our our or like Steph was talking about ambition, if we make ambition our master, if we make exertion our master, there's this there's this quote in in the Zen stuff that like the mind is a terrible master, but an amazing servant. Right? The mind is this great servant, but if you don't know how to spot it and whatever, yada, 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 enlightenment. Well, the same thing is, is true with exertion. Exertion is this great servant that you can use, like the ability to, to like just get stuff done and to take that energy and push it into stuff, but it's a servant. It's not the master. If you make it your master, you're just going to be, it's all this motion without any movement. It's all this motion without any sort of traction and direction. So what you also need is this direction. And in order to have that direction, you've got to learn to tell yourself that I've traveled enough today. 
okay, that's like, I can end today feeling good about myself, right? The way I think about this is, is, is almost like recently in my own projects, I just didn't have like, I just didn't have like a bar set where I could be like, hey, if I, if I cross that bar, then I've done good today. I can feel good about myself. I can stop. I can go read a book. Like I can go do some of the things that I want to be doing in my life. This is what came out of our last episode talking about Steph's uh, mastermind group saying like, you need to be paying yourself, not just preparing for like, uh, you know, the apocalypse and storing everything away, right? You need to be enjoying the fruits of your labor now a little bit if you can and in, in whatever ways that you can. So for me, setting that bar looks like I know I've done my work today already. The question is, Oh, I actually feel like doing a little bit more. Then I'll do some more. Or, you know what? Screw this. Let's, let's go for a walk. Let's put on a podcast. Let's listen to uh, Tim Ferriss and Michael Pollan talk about psychedelic research, which is a really good episode. I highly recommend it to all of you. I'm not going to go deep on that right now. Um, but set a bar where you feel like, if I've crossed this bar, if I've gone over this threshold, I've done good today. Corbett, what do you think about this idea? Or like, how, how is this important to you? Well, the opposite is really scary when you don't have that bar because then you just walk around all, you know, every day or every week not knowing how to judge yourself and the effort that you put in because there's always, you know, a, an endless list of things that you feel like you should be doing. So I love this idea. For me, um, you know, lately what I've had is a template in my to do list where, you know, here are the different things that I know that I need to do. Uh, throughout the week. And then every day there's also project time in there. And uh, I also was, was timing myself recently using an app on my phone um, that, you know, you can let it, let it know basically what you're working on by just clicking a button and then it keeps a timer. And I would just start that when I was actually doing focused, you know, task work. And when I allowed myself to feel good, if I got to, let, let's say, six hours in a day of concentrated actual work. And then after that, or even in the middle of that, as long as I knew that I would be able to get those six hours done, then I could go surfing guilt-free, or I could read a book or watch a movie or go hang out with friends or whatever it is. I could do that guilt-free. I think that's that's the key, right? Because you allow yourself... And I'm not saying that the bar needs to be a certain number of hours. Maybe it's getting certain tasks done. It's hard to say what would work for each person. But I think allowing yourself to have some downtime or just to do other things in a guilt-free way so that you don't feel like, oh, I really should be working right now. Because if you feel like that all the time, even on the weekends, it can be a really depressing place to live. And that, you know, for me is always a recipe for either burnout or just not really feeling satisfied with my work, not really enjoying what I'm doing. Mm. And, and then that doesn't allow you to put in your best time, put your best foot forward. So yeah, I, I, I like this idea. Yeah. I think it's an important one. All right, guys, that's our episode today. Anything else to share Corbett, Steph, anything come to mind before we close out? Wow. I don't think so. Wow. That was just like nothing. <laughs> I was just, sorry. I was looking at my list to make sure I mentioned everything that I jotted <laughs> down. And I think we did. I think we did it. Yeah. Yeah. We're awesome. Good. Awesome. Okay. You guys, you're always pulled in multiple directions. That's how it works, but there are ways to manage it. We would put the show notes and everything you need to, uh, to remember what was great about this episode at fizzle show.co slash 
267. That's fizzleshow.co slash 267. And you can get all the links and the show notes that you need there. While you're there, pick up one of our free guides. They're amazing. They're super helpful. And uh, and drop a line on the comments. Tell us how you're doing, what's happening in the thing. And share this episode with your friends if you haven't yet. I mean, you're probably, don't, probably embarrassed by the fact that you listen to an awesome entrepreneurship show because you're trying to do something with your life. And that's fine. If you want to keep that a secret, that'll just be our little secret together. We'll keep it with you. Um, until next time, that is episode 267. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in, y'all. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week on The Fizzle Show. <laughs>